Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, hello. This episode of Luke's English Podcast is sponsored by italki. If you want to improve your English, your speaking skills, your grammar, your vocabulary, or to prepare for an exam or a job interview or something like that, you should check out italki because it's a great way to find a one-to-one teacher for lessons or conversations. It's very convenient and professional. Over 2 million people are now using italki to learn languages online. So it's a well-established platform and it makes total sense actually. Basically, you find a teacher that suits you uh, and yes, these, it's not just some kind of mechanical robotic app. You actually, it's just a way to find actual human one-to-one teachers. So you find a, a teacher that suits you. You easily schedule one lesson or a series of lessons. And Bob's your uncle. You've suddenly got a personal teacher who you can talk to regularly from the comfort of your own home. No need to travel anywhere. No need to join a class with loads of other people you don't know. Just get regular Skype calls with your italki teacher. Skype or other bits of software that basically do video or telephone calls. But it's mainly video calls, right? So when you buy some talking time, italki will send you a voucher for a free lesson, which is cool. For more information and to get that offer, which is just to remind you, uh, uh, a voucher worth the equivalent of a free lesson when you buy some talking time, to get that offer, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash talk or click an italki logo on my website. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, folks. Here's another new episode of the podcast. This is a free episode for everyone. Hello, everyone. And indeed, hello to you as an individual. Hello. Thank you for choosing to listen to my podcast. My name's Luke. This is Luke's English Podcast. If it's the first time you've ever listened to this show, then welcome. I hope you enjoy it and I hope that it helps you with your English. Check out all of the other episodes I've ever done. There's, well, over 600 of them now. So if you've got, I don't know, about a month with nothing to do, you could listen to them all back to back. And then suddenly your English will just go into overdrive. But anyway, here's a free episode of my podcast for everyone. Premium subscribers may be waiting for the latest series of premium episodes. And so let me say that premium episodes are coming very soon. I'm on holiday at the moment, but I have been working on a premium series in spare moments and it's nearly ready to be recorded and published, and that will happen soon. So rest assured that your premium content is coming. What's the premium content, Luke? Well, I mean, this is this one is a series, I'm going to say it's basically about science, and there's lots of stuff about science and medical testing, and it's full of really, uh, really great vocabulary. I mean, I'm, I say it like that, Ugh! But actually, I mean, genuinely, it's going to be full of really good vocab that I think will boost your English. Listen to me selling my premium content. Something you know, you have to you have to sell yourself, ladies and gents. Uh, but anyway, a premium series is coming this month, and it will. Cont- it's a lot of work. I've put a lot of work into it. You'll see when you listen to it. If you want to get premium stuff, just go to teacherluke.co.uk/premium. So anyway. I've been working on the series in spare moments. It's nearly ready and that will happen uh, soon. Uh, So rest assured that your premium content is coming. But now, here's a new episode of the free podcast for you. And I'm keeping it in the family again this time as we have another Rick Thompson report recorded just yesterday evening. Most of you will know that the Rick Thompson report is a series in which I talk to my dad about politics, usually Brexit. Every time another milestone in the Brexit story happens in British politics, like when, I don't know, we get another prime minister or something like that, listeners get in touch with me 
requesting a new episode with my dad to somehow explain it all. Well, recently, Boris Johnson became the UK's new Prime Minister. Boris Johnson, you know him probably. Crazy hair, crazy ideas. I'm Boris Johnson. He speaks sort of like this, doesn't he? And, um, you know, I'm Boris and uh, I've got crazy hair, which uh, might just distract you away from some of the more serious uh, ideas that I'm going to push through. This is the way Boris Johnson speaks while he's uh, using his hand to mess up his hair. I don't know, is the hair part of it? Maybe. I feel like somehow, because he's got messy blonde hair, that we just can't, it it means that we can't focus on the actual things he's doing. It's like, he's going to, you know, he's going to sell off the NHS. But look at his hair, you know. Anyway, so Boris Johnson recently became the UK's new Prime Minister. And he immediately assembled a new cabinet of ministers in line with his position on Brexit, which is basically... Well, let's try again and get some kind of deal because apparently Boris Johnson has got the skill set and the hair to get some kind of deal with the EU, uh, even though Theresa May spent two and a half years trying to get one. But Boris is like, I could do it because, well, look at look at my hair. Like, Well, the hair doesn't really suggest that you... What does the hair say about your your negotiating skills? It doesn't make sense, Boris, but never mind. Anyway, we're running out of time. That's the kind of thing that's going on here, in a way. Um, So he immediately assembled a new cabinet of ministers. And um, his position on Brexit is he's going to try and get some kind of deal, he says. But if that's not possible, probably because, uh, according to to the government at the moment, if we can't negotiate a deal with them, it'll all be the EU's fault. Anyway, so if you can't get a deal, the plan will be, well, let's just go without a deal. We'll just have no deal Brexit and everything will be great because, I don't know, sausages or something. British sausages and Winston Churchill, everything's going to be fine. So naturally, I've had requests for an episode with my dad to talk about this and about what might happen between now and October the 31st when the UK officially leaves the EU unless that date gets pushed back again for some reason, or the whole thing just gets called off and we can all just carry on like normal and pretend it never happened, just have a cup of tea and wait for the whole thing to just blow over. Fat chance of that happening, to be honest. A fat, if you say there's a fat chance of something happening, it means that there's, um, you know, it's very unlikely. It's probably not going to happen, which is interesting because we also say, there's a slim chance of it happening. A slim chance of something happening means there's a fairly low probability of it happening. And also, fat chance of something happening also means there's a low uh, probability of it happening. Welcome to the English language, ladies and gents. So, anyway, um, yesterday evening I sat down with my dad in order to attempt to discuss what's been going on. And that's what you're going to listen to in this episode now. I don't need to say much more, really, except that this conversation will probably be quite complicated and possibly difficult to follow. And I'm saying that because obviously my audience is mostly made up of people who are learning English as a second or foreign language. So it may be difficult to follow this all. But don't blame us. Blame David Cameron. It's all his fault. So I hope that you can keep up with it and that you manage to spot the various bits of meaty, chunky vocabulary that come up in the conversation. The main thing that you, as a learner of English, I expect, should do while listening to this, in my opinion, is simply try to follow what we're saying and let your brain's natural language learning potential take care of the rest. That's right, your study aim for this episode is simply to just listen to it. That's it. This is your regular dose of English input through listening. It helps if you're engaged and interested in the topic, so, you know, what can I say to make you engaged and interested in the topic of Brexit other than this is a sort of uh, extraordinary situation that we've got going on here in the UK? I mean, I could go into more detail. I won't. Get on with it, Luke. Okay. So, um, so just try to listen and follow this, this situation. I hope that you are interested in the, um, the, the, the political drama, uh, the kind of unprecedented nature of what's going on here, what's going to happen. So, What do we think of Boris Johnson? What about his new cabinet? What might happen next in this crazy Brexit saga? 
Could the Queen even get involved somehow? Listen on to hear us talk about these things and more. I'll speak to you again at the end. But now, let's begin. This is the Rick Thompson Report with Rick Thompson. Hello, Luke. Welcome back onto the podcast. It's a pleasure to be back on the podcast. How are you today? Okay, thank you. It's been a nice day. Lovely, sunny day. Very nice. Yeah, weather report. Weather report. Has the, we Sunshine, to... occasional showers, warm. Very nice. Very nice indeed. Uh, good August, mid uh, mid no, early August. And nice weather. It's not been pouring with rain all the time. That's right. Here in the middle of England, we tend to get very good weather. They, you know, it's not as good as the uh, the weather, uh, you know, in the south of France. Well, but yeah. um, in in terms of the British Isles, uh, northern England and Scotland tends to get more rain. Wales gets more rain. South of England gets more rain. Here in the middle, uh, we tend to miss most of it. So it's been very nice of late. I think it's better than the weather in the south of France, personally, because it's just nice all the time. Here, here. How boring for everything <laughs> right. to, to be nice all the time. Wake sunny. up with clear blue sky every morning, very boring. Yeah, at least here you kind of, it's fairly interesting. It's an interesting cloud. Kind of like, yeah. Oh, what's going to happen today? Is it going to be bad or, or okay? We just don't know. We just don't know. <laughs> A bit like the uh, political situation, well, really. That's right, it's turbulent and you never know what's going to happen next. It always happens in episodes of what we're calling the Rick Thompson Report. We start with a weather report, and that turns into a clumsy political analogy. Mm. Um, but anyway, so people will be, listeners will be thinking, oh, good, it's time for Rick Thompson to bring his usual clarity and clairvoyance to British politics. Ha ha. No pressure. Ha ha. What's been going on, Dad? The winds of change have been blowing across Britain. <laughs> uh, what, do you remember what we talked about last time? We did this. Well, well vaguely, uh, we were talking about the fact that Boris Johnson will probably become the Prime Minister. Yeah, Theresa May had just resigned, and um, she did that speech in front of 10 Downing Street, and we talked a little bit about that, and we talked about what's been going on, what might happen. And so, what happened then since Theresa May resigned? Uh, well, as um, most people uh, predicted, uh, the the Conservative Party then had a leadership election, a very bizarre process, because the members of Parliament, first of all, have to, uh, you know, select from all the people who put the names forward, and there are lots of them, until they get down to a final two. It was no great surprise that Boris Johnson was one of the final two, along with the then Foreign Secretary, uh, Jeremy Hunt. And then the members of the Tory party around the country had to vote on which of these two they wanted to be the Prime Minister. And it was always going to be Boris Johnson because the members of the Tory party are kind of old and hard right uh, and Boris, they think, is a lovable rogue and he's popular in the country. And sure enough, um, he won by a two-to-one margin and promptly became the leader of the Conservative Party and Prime Minister. I, I, mean, I, I don't think it's a particularly democratic process, but there you are. So uh, people are going to be thinking, what do you think of Boris Johnson? Well, I have to tell your listeners you know, straight away um, that um, I'm not one who thinks we should be leaving the EU. Um, and I'm not a fan of Boris Johnson. So you're not going to get a nice, uh, independent, carefully worded uh, account from me. You're going to get my view. And my view is that this is a terrible uh, phase in British politics. I mean, a really bad phase in British politics. I, don't, I know that there are other countries where they have violent coups and people being shot in the streets and everything else. And they may say, oh, well, it can't be that bad. But um, in terms of our democratic traditions, it is pretty bad uh, that we've got this um, hard right clique, if you like, now in government installed by Boris Johnson. Wait, uh, wait, wait. We're being on. invaded by mobile phone aliens. Oh, what's happening? Did everyone hear that? There was a noise, that, that, that old noise. That I haven't heard that noise for a while. That's a mobile phone going but off. Is it mine? a mobile phone interfering with stuff that's that's boris johnson and uh, he was obviously you know immediately uh, getting his spies to interfere with my broadcast cambridge right. analytica or someone <laughs> yes. who has is it has it stopped who is it no, it, it was it was a message coming in i'll have to turn it off it has stopped but your phone is, is not on silent hang on it's not it's on now silent. it's on silent now i'm going to turn it off 
Throwing out the window, Dad. There you are. I've turned it off, That's so you guys can't do any more little... Delete Facebook from it and then just throw throw in a lake. Sorry, Boris. I've switched off. Okay. There. Yeah, so there we are. So um, that's what happened. And so he is the Prime Minister. Right, um, yeah. Hasn't been there for very long and is uh, already installed a, a very right-wing cabinet. I mean, breathtaking, really. What's so bad about that, though? I mean, um, he said, playing the devil's advocate. Well, it, it, this is... Um, oh, dear, this is difficult to explain. <laughs> um, the, the whole reason that uh, David Cameron called a referendum was because he was spooked by the advance of the UKIP party, UK Independence Party, who had one thing on their agenda and one only, which was to get out of the European Union. And so he promised that Conservatives would have a referendum on membership of the EU. It was a promise to keep the vote uh, from the right-wing Conservatives who might otherwise vote UKIP. Right. And so having done that pledge, he sort of breezily went ahead with this referendum, but extremely risky with most commentators and most politicians thinking that the uh, electorate wouldn't be so stupid as to leave the EU. Unfortunately, uh, 52% uh, decided they would leave the EU. And this has led us to this terrible division in the nation, virtually you know, cut in half by those who think we should be in the EU and those who have voted to leave. And uh, you know, over the last three and a half years, the government, Theresa May's government, hasn't known what to do about it. We, I mean, we've, we've been through in the past... Um, can people hear my microphone? Just checking. We've, in the past, we've been through some reasons. I still feel like we haven't fully uh, nailed the, uh, all the arguments for uh, why... Uh, it's better to stay in the EU. Well, I mean, I, all I could do is give my view. Uh, uh, yeah. In in mainland Europe, um, when I was at a conference recently, and people said, "Why? Why did people vote to leave?" It's a very difficult question to answer um, because people voted to leave for a whole number of reasons, and they hate being told that they were ignorant um, or prejudiced against immigration. Uh, that just entrenches the view. But I think that's got something to do with it. Yeah, but. I'm, uh, I'm trying. We shouldn't go into it again. Well, no, we I shouldn't. feel like we've talked the, the, about the it fact, The fact let, is let, that let, look, let, let it, where we are now is that we have got a government committed to leaving the EU on October the thirty first, whatever, and that probably means without a deal. Which is kind of a, uh, one of the problems for me about this. That's my cup of tea. Dad nearly took my tea. I, I was reaching for his tea. I'm sure, that's what? happened in the past. You know. I'm sure we've had tea confusion in the past. Anyway, um, somehow more interested in tea confusion than the politics, but it's just because it's easier to talk about tea. Anyway, one of the problems uh, is that people, when they voted to leave the EU, voted for all sorts of different reasons, right? And uh, arguably, you could say that people didn't necessarily vote to leave without a deal. People thought that there would be some sort of deal in place because a lot of the proponents of leaving the EU said things like, we'll definitely have a deal, all the, all the, cards, all the negotiating cards will be in our hands, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have a good deal, it'll be a great deal. Um, I don't have all the quotes in front of me, but there are famous, that effect, yes. famous quotes by you know, people like um, Michael Gove, Boris Johnson, people who are now leading the government. And um, they're now to an extent pushing for no deal which is something that i don't think you know 51.8 percent of the uh, the voters wanted well it was a, such a simple question you know should we leave you or not the, the terms weren't part of the referendum and as you say people said oh we'll be free to strike great trade deals around the world um you know and there are i think someone even use the phrase sunlit uplands. What? We will leave that means, you know, gloriously sun blessed meadows of the future. Mm. Um, and of course, the detail wasn't there. Um, since that vote, uh, Donald Trump became elected uh, the U.S. president, and of course he, he is now pursuing an America First policy, and which means the, that which means that uh, the, well, the Brits might not be able to get. Great and as wonderful trade deal might not be so easy, despite what they say. But I mean, even even when Barack Obama was president, he said quite clearly that Britain would not be at the front of the line; they wouldn't be at the top of the. Uh, 
the list. Negotiating a trade deal with the United States has taken the EU a decade. Yeah. Um, so yeah. obviously this was all rhetoric. Anyway, that's in the past. What we have now is um, mop-haired, blonde, Alexander Boris Pfeffel Johnson. Sorry? That's, it, that's his name. What happened in the middle of his name? Alexander Boris Pfeffel. Johnson. Okay, Alexander Boris Johnson. I can understand people call him Boris. Well, but his what, third what, name what? is Pfeffel. Pfeffel. P f f e f. P f e f f e l. I have no idea where it comes from, so, but that's his name. That sounds like a spelling mistake. Not it a does, name. doesn't it? It sounds like Pfeffel. Anyway, um, Boris, as he is now known, um, you know, is has immediately installed all the strong pro Brexiteers in the party into senior positions. So the Chancellor of the Exchequer is Savid Javid, who um, I don't think is very well qualified to be our finance minister, but there he is. The Foreign Secretary is Dominic Raab. Oh, God. The Home Secretary is a woman called Priti Patel, who is a hard-right politician. I saw- who, her first statement as being the Home Secretary is that she wants criminals to be terrified this, well, this goes down very well with the with the right you know it's nothing to do with society it's about punishment i saw pretty patel on telly arguing uh why bringing back the death penalty would be a good idea oh my she was God. arguing with um ian hislop who is obviously famous for being on have i got news for you he's also is he the editor of private Eye? yes he is and so um in hislop made the point that uh, the death penalty you know he, he made the point that a number of people in recent years have been um, convicted of murder, um, wrongfully, uh, wrongfully convicted of, of murder. Yes, there's quite a few. And if we had had the death penalty in place, that those people would have been killed. And so innocent people get killed. And, her, you know, she just basically was like, I don't care. You know? That's right. No, she it's, doesn't it's, care. And, 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 and other people were saying the deterrent effect that people argue uh, about uh, has not been proven, and if absolutely you know, you at, no evidence you, 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 that crime falls if you introduce the death penalty. You look at places like the United States, where they have the death penalty in many states, and the the, the crime uh, uh, rate, the murder rate is is very very high. Uh, the, the the deterrent effect doesn't really work, and this point was given to, was put to her. She just basically ignored it and just carried on with the same old rhetoric. I mean. She's also incompetent. Her, her grammar is all over the place. <laughs> all right. All right, Luke. We got the idea that we have a cabinet of hard right wing Brexiteers who are in many cases, in my view, not qualified for the role. And uh, that's you know, law and order is just one of them. We've had a decade of a conservative led government where they have cut public spending and cut it and cut it. And they've cut the budgets for the police force quite considerably uh, so many thousands fewer police on the streets as a result and then um, they you know they come into power and Boris Johnson says I'm going to recruit another X number of police uh, oh right and then the health service which they've neglected for a decade wait, wait a minute. he said, suddenly says we're going to spend you know two billion pounds on the health service oh, oh but, right. but hold on a second the thing about the police isn't that what we want to hear well, well it's what we want to hear but the 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 this is lectioneering right you, so know, you, what, what you think it's not true oh i think it's it's wild promises from a government that has cut the police numbers for 10 years so the the point is that he is um he's electioneering electioneering you know people want to hear more police more money for the health service and more money for the north and so he goes around the place saying i'm going to give you more money for the police more money for the health service more money for the north we don't know where the money's going to come from and this is someone who's been part of the government that's been cutting these budgets for 10 years right so one um one reason not to believe it is that um the overall trend of him and his contemporaries in the conservative party has has been uh, exactly the opposite of the things he's promising and also other precedent um past events that have shown that boris is not someone who keeps his word are absolutely not i mean give us us some of the precedent that we've got (laughs) there's plenty of them i mean the, the big one of course was that he thought long and carefully about which side he would uh, support in the referendum would he support remaining in the eu 
or would he support leaving the EU? And he kept David Cameron waiting because he wasn't sure. And he's a columnist for a national newspaper, the Daily Telegraph. And apparently he wrote two versions of his column, one of them saying why he was going to support Remain and one of them why he was going to support Leave. And as the mayor of London, he'd been very vigorous and uh, articulate in his support of membership of the EU, how very, very important it was for the city of London and for Londoners overall. But uh, he finally announced on his doorstep um, to the media who assembled to ask him, well, which side are you going to be on, that after lots of careful thought and weighing it all up, he would actually be supporting the Leave campaign. Now, the reason he did that was not because he believes that we should leave the EU. It's because he thought that was his route to be the prime minister, which indeed it has been. It's so, a totally cynical view. So the point is that uh, Boris Johnson really cares about himself. And then he launched into the campaign to leave with a lot of untruths, notably the big red bus, which went around the country saying, we give £350 billion a week to the EU. Well, that's actually not true. Million. But there's no mechanism to stop him doing it. It's quite interesting, really, that we have an advertising standards authority in our country. Mm. And if somebody puts an advertisement in a newspaper or on the TV, which they deem to be misleading, and recently there was one about a, a, a vacuum cleaner, yeah, and the picture of the vacuum cleaner didn't show that it had a cable, and they thought that this was misleading because it looked like it was a cable-free vacuum cleaner. And the Advertising Standards Authority actually fined the company and told them to stop putting using those ads. So for a vacuum cleaner, there's a mechanism to stop people selling untruths. Mm -hmm. But on a political campaign, there's no mechanism it's to true stop them. There's, actually there's, no, no, there's, there's no way to stop there's them. There's no authority. There's no um, uh, yeah, mechanism that uh, will actually um, hold politicians accountable for the th promises they make. The only and, and, thing and, and, you've got like, is the media. During the rest of the year, yeah, during normal times, politicians, we accept, will lie about things during their election campaigns. They'll make certain promises in their manifestos and then they won't uh, actually fulfil those promises. And we're all tired and fed up with it. But now when it comes to something so crucial, something as... Um, de is definitive the right word? As... Brexit, which is a really sort of a make-or-break situation, one single decision, as it were, to stay in or out, uh, that can make or break the future of this country and the future of our children and all that stuff. And in a situation like this, yeah, we do actually feel like the politicians really do need to be accountable for the things that it, they promise. It's a crucial point. Accountability in politics um, is, is what makes democracy work. Do you remember Danny Dyer and uh, David Cameron? <laughs> well, well, we, we, we talked about it before. We have talked about it in the Rick Thompson report before. Uh, Danny Dyer and David Cameron, those of you who listened to previous <laughs> episodes will remember Danny Dyer, this uh, sort of um, Cockney he, actor. Yes, um, popular actor. And who appeared on television talking about David Cameron. Is, what was he saying? You know, where is the geezer? He should be held account for it. He yeah. said. He should be able to. He's, there he is down in Nice with his trotters up. His feet, his trotters. No, he called it, yeah, that's right. He said he should be held account for it, which actually is spot on. He should well, be Well, absolutely. This is because David Cameron resigned the day after the result of the referendum and left, left everybody with the mess. Do you remember um, what happened when David Cameron resigned? So, uh, listeners, you might have seen Theresa May's resignation speech at the podium in front of number 10 Downing Street. She made a speech. She cried. David Cameron made his speech. Well, you know, I feel like I sh I'm not really the person to deliver Brexit, so I'm going to resign now. So thank you very much. Goodbye. And then he turned around. His microphone was still on. He didn't realise that his lapel mic was still on. And you could hear him as he walked back to the door, and he was humming to himself like this. <laughs> humming a little tune. <laughs> Happy little tune. Like, well, there we go. Now I can just retire and uh, claim all my um, pension. Makes a lot of money from making speeches. Goodness knows why anybody would want to listen to him. So, anyway, anyway, David, David Cameron opened Pandora's box and all the 
stuff came out and we can't close it. And there he is just going, <laughs> now I'm going to go and just uh, walk away from the walk, mess. Walk away. And Danny and Dyer, the actor, you know, called him a twat, yeah. uh, which is, um, you know, an insult. But it's probably accurate. Anyway, now, now we must look forward. And, and I know you want to know what happens next. Well, mm, whenever we do this, I always say, I don't know. Because nobody knows what's going to happen next. But I can give you a few possibilities. So here we are. We're recording um, quite early in, in August. And everybody's on holiday. So um, the politicians are all on holiday with their trotters up in <laughs> Nice or wherever. And they all come back to the House of Commons on September the 3rd. I think it's September the 3rd. Then things will certainly kick off. Uh, but in what way, we're not sure. Uh, one way it can kick off is that the members of parliament, elected members of parliament, some of them will have got together and said, we must stop a no-deal Brexit. So at the moment, we're scheduled to leave the EU on October the 31st, and at the moment, there is no deal. And Boris Johnson says, we're going to leave on that date, whatever even if we have no deal, and we're planning for a no deal, and they certainly are. The government are planning for a no deal exit. What does that mean? Very difficult to know exactly, but it won't be good. A no deal Brexit, first of all, leaves the issue of the Northern Ireland border completely unresolved, and it'll be down to the Republic of Ireland to try to secure the single market border without having a hard border between Northern Ireland and the Republic, and they really don't want to be landed with that problem. But also economically, a no-deal Brexit means that the EU will start charging tariffs at uh, World Trade Organization rates for anything leaving the UK and going into the EU, which will, according to some reports, completely bankrupt some companies. It may cripple um, the agricultural sector that exports and uh, it may lead to huge queues at the border and who knows there was a Belgian university study recently that said that if there's a no deal Brexit um, there would be lots of job losses they predict half a million job losses in the UK and 1.2 million job losses in the EU which sounds like it would be worse for them but remember we are much smaller and so in percentage terms, it would be worse for the UK. We don't really know, but it wouldn't be good. And there's talk of, uh, you know, uh, would we have access to a free flow of essential medicines and uh, things that are really quite important? And we would be severed from a number of European Union institutions like the nuclear deal, research centres, and one thing or another, which would not be good. So a no-deal Brexit is something that a lot of MPs don't want, and they may try to stop it. Right. Okay. So, so, how, so could, how could they do mm, that? Well, they, they would pass a motion in the House of Commons saying uh, we will, you know, whatever happens, there will, we will not leave the EU without a deal. So there's Boris Johnson and his government. They're, going, they're, they're sort of saying, right, so let's do this no-deal. We're going to do no-deal Brexit because of reasons – because of WTO terms, they're going to throw out all this rhetoric that sort of doesn't really mean anything. Well, it'll be when the you EU's it. fault, of course. Yeah, they, they'll yeah, they'll yeah, say yeah. it's the EU's fault. Yes, they will. They'll, they'll, um, they'll, they'll so stand like, by for that. Michael Gove said that just the other day. He, he was on television saying how... We are being so reasonable, but the EU is being intransigent. The, the, I mean, the, why don't they negotiate? This wait, is ridiculous. He's saying that the EU is refusing to negotiate now. But, I mean... Um, <laughs> They've been negotiating for two to th three years. It was two and a half years. Yeah. They, they negotiated. We came up with this document, 550 pages of it, covering everything for a deal which allowed for a, a transition period of nearly two years where nothing would change. But it did have this thing in it called the Irish backstop, which was a way of avoiding a hard border in Northern Ireland. But it would mean that, that Northern Ireland... Um, had a slightly different status from the rest of the mainland UK. And, and since Theresa May was being supported by the uh, 
Democratic Unionist Party in Northern Ireland who didn't want that, um, she she found it very difficult to pass through the House of Commons. In fact, it failed three times. So uh, they have got a deal on the table. They can't see any reason to reopen it. Um, they say the single market must be, you know, important to us. It's integral. We're talking 27 member states who all agree this. You know, it's not just some bureaucrats in Brussels. So it's an impasse. The, 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 the deal won't be reopened. And so a no-deal Brexit looks certain unless the House of Commons stops it. How? Well, they can pass a motion that says there will be no deal, no, no deal Brexit. Yeah. It may be followed by a motion to say we need a second referendum, see if the populace really wants us to leave on these terms. But also it will be followed immediately, I think, by a Labour Party, that's the main opposition party, a Labour Party motion of no confidence in the government. Okay. Now that's interesting. Uh, if a government loses a vote of no confidence, and it's not just in the UK, it happens everywhere else, in Spain and other places, then they have to resign and um, the president in Spain or in our country, the Queen, has to ask somebody else to form a government if they can. After a general election? Um, that's another option, isn't it? I mean, uh, there, there could be a general election, um, but I think that um, what people are speculating about is that if there was a vote of no confidence in September, which the government lost because a number of its own members of parliaments are so opposed to a no-deal Brexit, they would rather see the government fall... And, and then have a general election, probably. Um, and there's a possibility that there would be, then it would trigger an election. Another possibility is that Boris Johnson would refuse to stand down, which is interesting. Um, can he do that legally? Well, a lot of people are arguing about that point. Could he? Uh, there's no precedent for it. So, wait, and some, some people yeah. are even suggesting that in the end, the Queen... A 93-year-old monarch would have to decide whether or not to sack him. I thought she'd come down to the parliament with a shotgun and sort of <laughs> kick the well, door down. It's, it's amazing. Right, Johnson, you're out. Oh, sorry. Well, let, 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 me, let me... This is not so ridiculous. Uh, I mean, it could be an amazing, almost surreal finale to this, uh, that the Queen might be in the position where... Boris Johnson has lost a vote of no confidence in the in the government, and they're apparently within fourteen days. If he can't come up with some solution, then then she has to invite somebody else to form a government. And if he simply sat tight and said, "I'm not leaving," uh, we have a former Attorney General, top lawyer Dominic Grieve, who is actually a, a Conservative, but he is a Remainer. He says the Queen will have a responsibility to act if Boris Johnson refuses to quit after losing a vote of no confidence. He says the Queen is not a decorative extra. It's true she has sought to keep herself well away from the cut and thrust of politics, but at the end of the day there are residual powers, or powers that still she retains, and responsibilities which lie with her. She might have to dispense with his services herself. And according to the uh, Politico uh, uh, newspaper and website, an unnamed member of parliament has said to them she would have to sack him. Of course she would. So if he lost a vote of no confidence and if he refused to stand down, could the Queen really sack him? I find that very difficult to believe. So that one, that's one scenario. And then she'd have to invite the leader of the opposition, who is Jeremy Corbyn, to see if he could form a government. Another one is that if he lost a vote of no confidence, he would call a general election. I think that's much more likely. Right. Uh, and and um, the Conservative government are obviously electioneering right now. Yeah, they're making all sorts of big promises and things like that already. And kind of touring playing. the country, p photo calls, posing here, posing there. Playing going to, the to going to the seats that are marginal, marginal territory, the seats they have to win if they're going to win an election. Playing to the crowd, saying things that please everyone. Oh, populism, absolutely. Yeah. Um, now, all right, so if, if there was a vote of no confidence and he lost, 
and then there was a general election. The thing is that... The EU would then extend the deadline. All right, okay. But the thing is that uh, in the olden days, when it was simply Labour wins or Conservatives win, um, um, it, it wouldn't be that simple now, would it? Because I don't think Labour are in a position to win a general election. No, certainly not. But they, they may be able to form some kind of alliance. But they, they are... Saying with, at the moment they're not interested in, in forming some kind of pact. With Jeremy Corbyn as well, leader. Well, we'll get on to Jeremy Corbyn in a minute. You've got to remember that in Scotland, the Scottish National Party are strongly opposed to Brexit. Um, Northern Ireland voted to remain. Um, and that there are other parties. The Social Democrats are the main Remain party and have done well in local elections. Liberal in European Democrats. Elections. Sorry, Liberal Democrats. Yeah, yeah. And there's even a Green Party MP who's opposed to Brexit. Um, there is the kind of scenario that they would vote with Labour um, to uh, stop Brexit or, more likely to call a second referendum to ask the people, are you sure? Hold on a second. Has Jeremy Corbyn actually officially said that he's anti-Brexit now? He ha- has been in this terrible, messy position where nobody really knows where the main opposition party stands on this. But it's been creeping towards Remain. And he has said that if they had to have a second referendum, then the Labour Party would support remain through gritted teeth because people know that a lot of labor mps are in constituencies which voted heavily to leave so he'd have to sacrifice those people they'd lose uh, i mean the country is divided the conservative party is divided the labor party is divided and nothing that much has changed it's kept except we've got to this Weird position where the Brexiteers, the hard Brexiteers, are now in government. And uh, whether they can force through us leaving the EU on October 31st with no deal is still entirely open to question. Okay. Yeah, I know. What can you say? The, 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 for me, someone who is very strongly of the view that we should be in the EU. Uh, you know, the idea that we're going into isolation in a globalised world is is nuts. And and the fact that there are no advantages to leave the EU, I can, I can see. I can't think of any. Despite all the stuff that people have heard and seen on social media and stuff about how just all the usual, like, uh, it's almost like people have got a list of stuff that they say, like, we're taking back control. And we can trade on WTO terms and blah de blah de blah. All these kinds of things, which are just sort of, it's just it's just rhetoric. Really, I'm, so, I'm sorry. You, this sloganising doesn't do anything for me. And and yeah, uh, I know we're but, we're losing control, not taking back control. Trading on WTO terms is mm. very disadvantageous. That that uh, having a free trade deal with our nearest neighbours and our biggest uh, trading partners in the EU is much more advantageous. I mean, there are no, there's no logic to this. People say things like, well, we voted to leave, so we should just leave. Well, we voted to leave for all sorts of reasons, and it's three and a half years ago, and we vote new members of parliament every four or five years, and if we don't like what we see, we change our mind. It's entirely right uh, to this, be put back to the people, say, are you sure about this? Uh, and I happen to think that if it was put back to the people, um, we would vote to remain in the EU because people have seen how damaging it would be to leave. Ooh, I don't know. I think it'd be very close. I, I, it might be close, but uh, that's my view. I think that that we would vote to remain if it went to a second referendum. And, and I've said we've we've mentioned this before, and I've said if we did get uh, another referendum and the result was let's say fifty two percent of people say it's it's remain, then you need a third one, don't you? Well, yeah, or a penalty be, shootout. It'd be a draw on the two legs. Yes, I penalty shootout next. Just can't see. No, a way. Uh, I, I can't really see it happening. But um, I think it would be logical if it did. We are in a position. If you look at it, if you're a Martian looking down, or somebody from somewhere far away saying, "What's going on?" The the um, the evidence is that um, probably more people think we should stay than remain now. Probably. 
Scotland voted to remain, Northern Ireland voted to remain, London voted to remain. It was just England, Shires and, and Wales that voted against it. Very divisive. Don't forget all of the, um, the, the internet bots. <laughs> well, of course, they, they, you know, they can say what they like. They, 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 I don't they, mean they, the trolls, just, the bots. I'm, I'm just saying the facts. The facts are that it was very close. It wasn't a decisive result. You may know, your listeners may know, that all the British people living abroad couldn't vote because some of some kind of administrative mess, um, which was really quite damaging. We are talking about probably a million people, and most of them would have voted to remain. The Leave campaign was declared officially illegal, illegally funded, probably from strange foreign funds. Yeah, we don't know where they got their money from. We don't know. Um, Not to mention Cambridge Analytica, Dad. I know. There, there was a, this illegal operation mining people's data to feed them with uh, misinformation and, online. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's, all, there's a whole host of reasons why you should say, hang on, this referendum wasn't fair. And um, it's another reason for saying let's, let's, try, let's do it again and see if people think they really want to leave the EU. Now they know much more about it because at the time... Three and a half years ago, most people knew nothing about it. Um, so there's a host of good logical reasons why, you know, we shouldn't be plunging out of the EU with no deal. And in my view, we shouldn't be leaving the EU at all. But the government is split. We've now got this hardline Boris Johnson-led Brexit at all costs government. And it's getting more and more divisive, more and more entrenched. And, and it may well lead to the breakup of the United Kingdom. Scotland will be empowered to have an independence referendum because they don't want to leave the EU and they'd rather be independent Scotland in the EU. A lot of weird things I don't really understand uh, about Boris Johnson, right? So we, it seems to be fairly accepted opinion that he is... Um, ambitious and um he's doing most of this because he he wanted to be the prime minister and he's he, openly said for years he wants to be the prime minister yeah but he also has denied it because oh, they, well, they always do don't that's they? forest but but anyway that so okay so if he is self-serving and if he just cares about his legacy and if he just wants to fulfill some kind of winston churchill fantasy that he's got and he wants to be the leader and he's got it right so if that is his game plan then Surely he he's not he's not stupid, right? He, he acts like a buffoon, he acts like a fool, and a bit of a joke. But he's actually very clever, a very shrewd person, as we know, very calculating and all this kind of thing. So he should know that no deal Brexit would be a terrible idea. So it, would that is that the kind of legacy that he wants to have? It's a very good question. Let me tell you that um, in a letter to the Times newspaper this week. One of the um, Conservative Party's uh, wise old men, a guy called Malcolm Rifkind, mm. a former foreign secretary, yeah. wrote pleading with Johnson to, ig- to ignore his, what he calls, more excitable aides. And if he AIDS. loses aides, helpers, supporters, okay. uh, you know, campaign people. So he's pleading with them to ignore his, ignore more, excitable... his more excitable supporters. Yeah. And if he loses a no confidence vote next month, he should resign with dignity. And uh, uh, Malcolm Rifkind also hints the Queen may intervene. He says, if the Prime Minister refuses to respect the normal consequences of losing a confidence vote, he would create the gravest constitutional crisis since the actions of Charles I led to the Civil War. Um, so know, we're going back to the mid-1600s here and the bloody Civil War in England. We should just remind everyone what happened to Charles I as well, ultimately. Had his head chopped off. That's right. Uh, so this, um, this uh, Tory veteran, Rifkind, goes on, I have great confidence that the Prime Minister will ignore the advice of Dominic Cummings, who is his uh, campaign manager who ran the Leave campaign, Uh, King Charles lost his head by flouting the Constitution. Mr. Johnson will wish to keep his, while some around him are clearly losing theirs. Oh, very good. Which is quite clever. But, um, I mean, that's a a voice saying what you've just been indicating, that Johnson doesn't really want a no-deal Brexit because it would be damaging, and he knows it. 
but he he's trapped. Uh, he he can't suddenly say to the EU, "Oh, all right then, uh, we'll accept your deal." Do you remember after um, David Cameron resigned, and there was a new leadership contest um, in the Conservative Party, the one where Theresa May ended up by default being the Prime Minister because everyone else pulled out. Everyone else dropped out of the, the, the contest. So there was no actual leadership contest in the end. Everyone expected Boris Johnson to be one of the, um, the leaders putting themselves forward, right? But at the last minute, the story goes that Michael Gove stabbed him in the back and said, actually, I've decided not to support Johnson, that I am going to become the candidate instead. Now, I wonder if if Michael Gove really did stab Boris Johnson in the back, or whether Boris Johnson said to Michael, look, uh, Michael, I just sort of changed my mind, actually, and uh, I'm not ready to do this. Uh, because, you know, he probably would think, I-, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be the guy who has to negotiate this impossible deal. I don't know. I, just, I don't I know. I just it, don't at, understand at what the, anyone is thinking. At the time, this, um, this guy, Michael Gove, was... Uh, supposed to be supporting Boris Johnson in his leadership bid and then withdrew it at the last minute and said, well, actually, I'm putting my own name forward. And I think that it, that, that was a bit of a shock to Boris. But uh, in the end, uh, they've buried the hatchet. Uh, Michael Gove is is the minister without portfolio, the, the chancellor of the Duchy of Lancaster in Boris's um, cabinet because he's useful. Wait, Michael Gove's official position is to Chancellor be... of the Duchy of Lancaster, which means what? he's he's the fixer in the cabinet. No, but he's got a, another title, which is he's got a he's the minister with a special responsibility for No Deal Brexit. Yes, he's put pursuing the Brexit um, re- arrangements and planning. The No Deal Brexit arrangements mm, and planning. How do you right. arrange for No Deal? You just sit there and you don't write anything down. Well, they throw money at it for I, a imagine, start. Imagine if we were doing a business deal, right, and there was no deal. That means no contract. So if you're in charge of planning arrangements for having no contract, you just sit there and do nothing. You watch TV, you don't write a contract. That's probably what he is doing at the moment. Yeah. But they have announced another £2 billion. That's £2,000 million uh, to fund... Uh, no Brexit planning. I mean, that, that adds up to about six billion so far. When you say no Brexit planning, you mean planning to deal with the potentially catastrophic effects of leaving without a deal. Yeah, that tr- means try to avoid queues of trucks, customs, you know, all sorts of Yeah, things. creating brand new facilities for being able to store uh, yeah, big food, storage facilities. Um, and massive car parks uh, or truck parks where lorries could be parked uh, because they won't be able to go through customs and all that kind of stuff so yeah they've spent another you said another two billion pounds yeah, just announced do we know one. how many how many uh, it's, a, it's about six billion spent so far in, in total yeah which could yeah. have built a few hospitals mm-hmm. yeah. i mean the whole thing's completely nuts I, and um you know i i say to your listeners again you know, I'm, I, I can't possibly be independent on this. I just think this is crazy. You know, and some people around the world in some countries are just laughing at the UK right now. Like, for, you know, and they thought the rules of cricket were ridiculous. Now this. So, I mean... <laughs> Don't mention the cricket. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry, I mentioned cricket. But I thought we were the world champions of cricket now. We won the World Cup. We did, but we, we've just lost an important match against Australia and are not looking so good. So, um, anyway. we, we have to uh, win the next one against Australia. Uh, that's beside the bye. Um, so, what's going to happen next? Well, uh, Wait till September. What when I'd- September happens, anything can happen. And I think um, calling a general election after a vote of no confidence is a possibility. What I'd like to do is uh, switch Britain off and switch it back on again. Or well, maybe that'll solve it all. That's what happens to my computer yeah. when it goes wrong. Yeah. Or we can just take the batteries out, blow on them and put them back in. That might fix it. It might. Yeah. Or we just sort of uh, smack it a few, you know, uh, slam it with the palm of your hand a couple of times, swear, and then it'll start working again. Maybe just Britain needs to download a software update and then it'll be all right. Well, I think what we have to do is simply be more cheerful. This this is what our new Prime Minister, Alexander Boris Pfeffel Johnson, says, (laughs) that that we should be more optimistic and more confident and and stop moaning and, 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 and smile and everything will be fine. And so that's the answer. It reminds me a little bit of the end of um, 
that wonderful film Life of Brian by the Monty Python crew, where there's a, you know, the mass crucifixion and they're all singing Always Look on the Bright Side of Life while they're being crucified. Well, that's obviously the answer. I mean, Boris says, if you look on the bright side of life, everything will be all right. Okay. So there we are. That's what we must right. do. Okay, we, we must just smile and be optimistic. Everything will be fine. So if we just look at all the numbers and statistics and smile, then those numbers and statistics and... Uh, That's right. The, col- the, the governor of the Bank of England doesn't know what he's talking about when he says we're going to have a recession. That's absolute rubbish. Piffle. 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 Says Piffle. Piffle, you mean, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, we could go rambling on and on yeah, about Yeah, I'm this sorry forever. if it's too biased for some listeners, but that's what I think. I don't know. Maybe the... Uh, you know... Listeners, if you think this is all too biased, just you know, jump into the comment section and just don't forget that piece of paper with all of the usual uh, rhetorical points. Um, go ahead, guys. Yeah. All right. Okay, well, we'll see what happens. And um, nothing is going to happen until September. October? No. Oh, September, yeah. Well, that's yeah, when, that's uh, when they come back into the House of Commons and we start seeing the fights happen. Well, at least it's sort of entertaining in a way. Oh, yeah. In, uh, in, a, in, a, in a weird kind of way, it's entertaining. To Meanwhile, see. we're stockpiling baked beans. Are you genuinely stockpiling food? <laughs> Actually, we, we do have a few tins of food in the garage, I have to admit. Just in case on October the 31st, you know, something horrible happens. I don't think it would be that bad, but... Um, I think it's wise. I mean, you never know, do you? You don't you never know. Maybe it'll just be... It, it's quite possible that for a week or two or more that uh, you, you will go down to Sainsbury's and they'll be like, sorry, we don't have any tomatoes. Like, right. but, I, but I like tomatoes for breakfast. Sorry, we don't have any. Just they're all stuck at the border. Because they can't literally can't get here. There's nothing we can do, and you know you can imagine Sainsbury's putting up signs saying, "I'm a, you know in the event of no deal Brexit, it may be that we are unable to provide certain um, fresh products during this time. We appreciate your understanding, and if you voted leave, then you know happy now." Uh, there, there was there was a letter in the newspaper. I must just conclude with this, mm-hmm. and it's a it's a quite interesting because it's part of the psychology of the people who voted leave who said we were on the winning side yay and we should therefore just leave and everybody who says we shouldn't leave they're not democratic this letter said uh, i've got to take my dog to spain in january and if we leave with no deal i'll have to pay 120 pounds for a rabies vaccination and then says that's vitriolic bureaucracy from brussels so i read this letter thinking what in 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 the 28 member states of the eu the standards for making sure that rabies is kept under control are common that's part of the single market and the uh, the internal market which says that we have common standards everywhere yeah and it means that dogs can move from luxembourg to france to spain without any checks at all because mm-hmm. they're within the eu and they have common standards. Right. So if we move out the EU, we're suddenly not in the EU. Yeah, we don't get and the benefits. And therefore we have to fall under the rules of dog coming into EU has got to have a vaccination certificate. Yeah. Right? So this lady is blaming the EU for us leaving the EU and therefore not being part of their vaccination program. And also, in a way... And she's blaming the EU for for the fact that she's going to have to pay 120 quid because we've left the EU. Yeah. So it's a bit I mean, like... It's fantastic. I'm trying to think of another example. Let's say you're in a pub. Is this a good example? I don't know. Let's say you've <laughs> gone to a party. Uh, hmm. I'm just trying to think you, you, of a good example. You're struggling, aren't you? No, I'm trying to think of a good example. <laughs> Let's say, okay, here's the thing, right? You, you, uh, you're a member of a gym. All right. Right? You pay a monthly fee. Yeah. To be able to access all the facilities in that gym. And you think it's good value? All the running. Get, it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty good, good value. Good You've got value. access to all those things. And also, sure, you have to pay, but you do get access to all of the uh, the exercise machines, all the weights, all of the other all stuff, right, the swimming the pool. And you get to hang out with all the people who are there and share fitness advice and blah, blah, blah. Right? And then one day you're like, I don't want to be a member of this gym anymore. And you leave, Right. And you cancel your subscription. You stop paying the money, and uh, the uh, you know when you leave, they say, "Can we have your card then, please?" Uh, sorry to see you go, but you'll have to give your card then. And you go, "All right, fine. Here's my card. Now I've taken back control of my fitness. Uh, there's my card." <laughs> and um, and then one day you go, "Oh, I, I want to go and use the pool." 
and the gym says, well, you're not a member of the gym anymore. So, I mean, we can do a thing where if you want access to the pool, you have to pay an, a special one-off daily fee, daily fee. Uh, one-off daily fee, which is, you know, understandably higher than the, the membership fee. But you can access it. You have to pay the fee. And you say, this is vitriolic Bureaucracy. bureaucracy, meaning this is uh, what's what's another way of saying vitriolic I don't bureaucracy? Know. Vitriolic, such a wonderful word. This, this, it's so angry. This is um, the swim. This is the gym taking revenge on me. That's right, forcing me to pay money to access the swimming pool when I'm not a member. No, it's not the gym taking revenge on you. It's just that's just what being a member of a gym or not being a member of a gym means. Okay, I prefer the dog rabies story myself. <laughs> the, anyway, there you go. No, it's the much dog, the same, much the same. I was trying to use a swimming pool analogy to explain the dog rabies uh, uh, EU thing, but like, no matter how you put this, no matter what metaphor you use, it's but all... It's a bit, you know, the bright. people who voted leave have lost, you know, a lot of rational thought in that... If if uh, if they're disadvantaged by all this, it's got to be the EU's fault. Yeah, and, and you know it's it's unbelievable. And Michael Gove and the other you know members of the Conservative cabinet at the moment, who uh, in the face of basically an impossible situation where they can't negotiate with the EU because the EU, after two and a half years of having Theresa May come back and back and back in order to renegotiate again, the EU have like that's it. We we can't <laughs> well, they we can't, can't, we can't, can't do this anymore. It it's, that's it. We stopped and. Uh, and so Michael Gove, as we said before, is saying, oh, this is the EU um, taking revenge on us or something. I, I don't know. Something like that. Oh, well, we'll see what happens, eh, folks? Um, you know, we maybe we'll be talking again about this in mid-September and, and by then we'll know what's happening next. Yes. All right. Well, Dad, thanks again for talking to me about it. On the okay. I'm sorry for all those listeners out there who get so bored of the Brexit saga, which has been going on for such a long time. I hope you're not too bored. Hopefully. And I hope you've heard a few bits of vocabulary and other things that are useful. Hopefully for them, it's more entertaining than genuinely horrific as it is for us. Uh, thanks, listeners. Thanks, Dad. And speak to you soon. Bye bye. <laughs> So that was my dad and another conversation about Brexit. Apologies if we went over the same ground as in previous episodes on the subject a bit. But there it is. That's the situation. Let us know what you think, even if you totally disagree with us, of course. I'm sure that many of you will be interested to know more about Boris Johnson and our opinions of him. I would very much like to do a more in-depth episode or two about, uh, about him and in fact, uh, I've been planning that. So watch out for something in the future. I wonder how long he will be our Prime Minister. In fact, um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Expect some more episodes soon, including premium ones, which I've been working on in spare moments during my holidays, while my daughter has been napping, or at the end of the evening when everyone else has gone to bed. I'm working on it, and they will arrive soon, I promise. The series I'm working on is currently titled Bad Science. And it covers things like medical science, the misuse of data, and also whether vitamin pills are actually good for you. Uh, the main thing is that there are tons of very useful, quite high-level vocabulary items that um, I'm teaching you. And it's the sort of language that you need in order to sound intelligent and articulate in English. I'll let you discover it when it arrives, which will happen as soon as it's all been written and recorded. And it's almost... Um, I've almost finished writing all of it. The recording's going to happen as soon as possible. To get access to the premium stuff, just go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium. Now I have to go to bed in order to catch up on some much needed sleep and to get my energy back in order to survive another day chasing my daughter around a park or around a farm or something. Um, she is quite obsessed with farmyard animals at the moment which she points at very enthusiastically while saying hello to them in a mix of French and English. It's adorable, but I need all the energy I can get. So I'm going to bed now. Hopefully I'll, I will actually be able to sleep. The last couple of nights I've had our daughter next to me in bed after she's woken up in the middle of the night. She has a habit of kind of turning sideways in her sleep and sort of resting her legs on my face. Um, it's actually wonderful, funnily enough. It's wonderful, funny and adorable, but also knackering. I mean, exhausting. But enough about all that. Now, I will speak to you again on the podcast soon. But for now, it's just time to say goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. bye.
Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.